Welcome to the Hay Kings podcast brought to you by Vermeer, your expert in hay and forage equipment. Recording this podcast is a privilege. So frequently we talk about the importance of family and water and land, those things so critical to agriculture. Then sometimes I just get to sit around and shoot the breeze talking about equipment. Here's a clip from one of my recent recordings with Andrew Lime Gruber, where we're just talking about haying equipment. Enjoy. The other benefit of our growing area is our labor availability. You know, being so close to the Mexico border, I mean, we, yeah, it's expensive, but we have plentiful labor available. People that have green cards willing to come across and still do this physical demanding work. We're not quite as big as Tijuana, but Mexicali, which is on right next to us, it's still like one and a half million people. So it's a huge amount of people. So here I'm in a town of 5,000 right next to the border, a very rural town. And then right across the border, it's like a different world. That border is all the difference, especially going yeah. from California to Mexico. Yeah, no, it's pretty wild. Our, our potato crops are kind of our onion and our carrots. You know, we grow dehigh onions and, and carrots, and that's kind of a digging, rotating crop that works really well with alfalfa. But I always I thought it was funny. I've seen, you know, pictures probably up from not too far from your area where they're they're digging potatoes in the snow. And <laughs> I'll look at the John Deere tractors yeah. and um, every crack and hole there's a rag shoved into so no no cold air gets in. Well, we do the same thing down here, but it's so no hot air gets in. <laughs> oh jeez. I, I just always I, that always cracked me up when I would see you know, there's always a little hole here or there in the calves of a John Deere. And, and <laughs> I just thought that was the, the funniest thing, just the inverse. Before you, I was talking to a guy up in Canada. <laughs> and he was talking about 20 below, 30 below. And he was trying to do the conversion to Celsius. Or he gave it to me in Fahrenheit. And I said, it doesn't matter at those temperatures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just cold. It's just cold. And he agreed. He goes, yeah, once you get below minus 20, it doesn't matter whether it's Fahrenheit or Celsius. It all feels the same. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty nice today. We're in the low 90s. We've actually had a cold spell. But uh, next week, it's supposed to be 111. And uh, once we pretty much get into June, it's three months of triple digits straight. That's amazing. I mean, we don't we don't break a hundred degrees, and then you know, <laughs> Going down. and then the <laughs> right, and then the nights, you know, it'll be ninety degrees, and you're just, you know, it's pitch black, and you're sweating. <laughs> it's 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 good for the grass haze. The grass haze love the high heat, but like I said, the alfalfa almost even the suffers. We have to irrigate at night because if we irrigate the alfalfa during the day when it's that hot, it'll get like anaerobic shock. It'll it'll you'll scald it. Oh, and alfalfa actually only grows on the good ground down here with really good drainage. If you have heavier dirt and um, it just won't grow, you have to have drainage with alfalfa. Yeah, that's why the Columbia Basin works for spuds and alfalfa is it's really sandy mm-hmm. soil. It's a desert too with the rain shadow effect. Right. Same, yeah, that's, same. That's, that's why we're so similar. Yeah, it's different, you know, seasons, you know, as far as the, you know, the length of day and the coolness and things like that. But the, the precipitation is the same. And with that rain shadow effect, essentially the probability of rain from, you know, June to August for us is like zero. It's almost, it's it's impossible for it to rain. Once we get into August and September, then we kind of get the monsoons that can come from the south. And those can really put a damper on our alfalfa seed crops. But 
and that you know it's kind of a different thing we sell a lot of alfalfa seed to the to the middle east and so our county actually has a roundup ready moratorium oh fascinating so are those non-dormant varieties right uh, yeah okay. we have like yeah they're more they aim for salt tolerancy and and not so much for that so our our biggest customers are the middle east and israel and saudi arabia and they buy you know we're we're a huge alfalfa seed growing region and that's kind of our rotation we'll we'll put hay in alfalfa for four to five years um the fourth and fifth year you'll get like two or three cuttings and then you'll you'll stress it out and you put bees out there and and you go to seed and you thrash it in, in july august and then uh, we have to anytime you go to seed you got to re you know you kind of reseed it and scratch it up for that fifth year and you'll get a couple cuttings and you go back to seed so and then after that fifth year of alfalfa we take it out and there's a number of things if you don't go the produce route you know we grow field corn we grow wheat we do a lot of winter wheat in the northern hemisphere sorry northern hemisphere that's funny uh (laughs) northern latitudes durham's a spring wheat right our durham is very comparable to what they're doing in like the dakotas and up into canada we actually come off Lately, the, there's no money in wheat. <laughs> it's kind of just a rotational crop. We can see if they have a huge crop failure up in the Dakotas. Oh, in time to plant your... Yeah, it's in time for us to plant. So there'll be times when all of a sudden you'll see the farmers down here just shotgun in a bunch of wheat. <laughs> um, but in relative scale, I mean, we're probably producing 10% of the of the nation's Durham wheat compared to up there, you know, in, in you know, your closer to your area where they're producing such a larger amount. That's that's kind of eastern Montana and, and mm-hmm. then into the Dakotas there for sure. Right, that big sky country. Yep. Let's take a break there and we'll get a word from our sponsor. I'm Danny Wan and, and I switched to the Vermeer 604R because I believe this baler is built to last. I bail about 4,000 bales a year, and I think as much money you give for a baler, if they need to bail 4,000 bales a year, even if it's for 10 years, they, they need to get it done. The day I ran it, we absolutely had no issues at all. It fired up, and I bailed like some guy. <laughs> it just bailed all day long. Hear the full story at makinghay.com slash haykings. We grow uh, soft white winter wheat just south of Spokane. That's kind of our niche product here. Mm-hmm. We got some outstanding yields. Uh, I've heard 120 bushel non-irrigated winter wheat. And I mean planted in September, two feet of snow on it, and then it comes out of the ground and you start telling the Australians about wheat that's in the ground for 11 months and they don't they, they don't get it. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how the funny thing with our field corn too. You know, our field corn at times will be farther ahead than the southern the southern hemisphere field corn. Oh jeez. Um, you know that uh uh, the millennial farmer yeah in the midwest yep he's always posting they've got their field corn planted and i sent him a picture of our field corn it's already above my head and i'm six foot one so <laughs> <laughs> and i said you got to catch up buddy <laughs> <laughs> i'd love to have him on the hay kings podcast uh, yeah i'll definitely mention it he's a uh, he'd be a big get you know and we're still big proponents of used equipment yeah me too so you know that new stuff is is pricey even you know for for full timers like us and we've kind of gotten into the new equipment business with um they got a lot of programs in california where if you trade in an old tractor they'll put up 60 percent of the cost of a new tractor that sounds like a steal of a deal (laughs) 
Yeah, so we've been taking advantage of that, but you essentially it's it seems like you know it's win win. You know, you're getting a a tractor sixty percent discounted, but problem is you're taking a tractor that was paid off and you're getting a new tractor with debt that that has debt and also it's got all this tier four and def and yeah you can't work on it and you know i have an excellent mechanic in my shop and he just tells me like they don't build it like they used to and i'm not working on this thing you know and right <laughs> you, you know it's just that whole that whole issue but you know we do because we don't stop we do enough acres that we can't you know, I wish we could, be, you know, just have all the old equipment and all the old tractors, but we just can't. We have to, we're constantly rotating tractors out just to mount, you know, when you're doing a couple thousand acres, 10 cuttings a year, I mean, it's, you put, we put a couple thousand hours on a tractor per year, so. Oh, geez. Yeah, it's a lot of wear and tear. Yeah, you don't get to run 55 series forever if you're putting a couple thousand hours a year. Exactly, right, and yeah, be, because of how many acres we're covering i mean i'm just i try to minimize my workforce too i mean i'm i only have six full-time guys Mm -hmm. you know for the amount of acres that we're doing that's actually we run extremely lean so i'm always trying to you know find the largest equipment that that can save me labor you know the new holland we run has a 21 foot header um just you know with gps auto steer on it just to try to get that extra couple of inches on every pass and you know just Wait. whatever we can do to save on labor is that a disc header uh-huh it's a disc line. yeah i didn't know they made a 21 foot header only one in the industry yeah wow that's huge you see with a hundred day growing season and that two-week harvest period you can't support hardly any new equipment it it doesn't make sense. You you right. cannot no, make enough money on the ground where I farm in two weeks to have high dollar equipment. It it doesn't work. We all run older stuff, and I just upgraded. Uh, and I wanted to ask you about that three seventy New Holland because I just got offered a, a diesel engine baler, a diesel engine three seventy. Looks in fairly good shape and seven thousand bucks, and and I'm running a two tie baler, looking to go that three tie route. Your thoughts yeah. on that three seventy? And grass hay. Are you talking a Freeman or a New yeah, Holland? Freeman. Freeman. Yeah, they're getting harder to find people that know how to work on them and help you with them. But they're a stout baler, and the thing about them, we still run ones that used to be wire feed. I oh, mean, really? Yeah, we have old ones that we still run, and they they almost run as good when they're old as they do when they're new. So there's really no benefit in getting a brand new one. Um, you know, but they, you know, you can easily pack the weight into them. I mean that, and all, all of our balers have diesel power units on them. They're, none of them are PTO driven Our small balers. Our crone is a PTO driven. We get in those high tonnage hay crops like you do with your Timothy that you need to really, it's better to idle down the tractor and go slow and then be, be able to crank the baler on. You know what a 499 New Holland is, right? 12 foot sickle mower. I just went to a four. 4990 John Deere with a 14 foot disc head on it. So <laughs> this is an upgrade year for me. Well, how are you, how are you going to handle the bales? That's the one big thing too, going from two string to three string. I have a 1075. Oh, you have a 1075? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what we had for a number of years. Yeah. We just, we recently upgraded the BW28s, but yep. we always ran those 1075s. Yeah. And, and that 1075, I, 
I just upgraded almost all of my equipment. And actually, if I do the baler, I'll, I'll have upgraded everything except the tractors. But there's a neighbor down the road that's upgrading and trying to help me out a little bit. And he's getting me some pretty decent deals on, on all this equipment. But uh, that 1075 has the uh, poly insert on the pickup header. It has, oh boy, all new tires and re, uh, rebuilt engine on it. None of that's new. has the 1085 computer in it. Pretty good setup. And, uh, it's a stick shift, right? Yeah, it's the stick shift. And actually, that's, yeah, that's the reason. Yeah, one, one benefit of going to the 1085, you get the uh, automatic. But That's the reason that he's getting rid of it is because uh, he got a deal on something with the automatic transmission that he can put a high school kid in. Thank you so much for sharing. Nice to talk with you, John.